0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm your host, Dave Bookbinder, Senior Director at Pine Hill Group. Today, we are talking about M&A with my special guest, Peter Smith, who's a partner at Seminoff, Ormsby, Greenberg, and Torsha. Pete, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thank you, Dave. So let's kick things off by having you just tell the audience briefly about yourself and your firm, and then we'll dive into it and get Behind the Numbers.
1: Sure. Yeah, my name is Peter Smith. I'm a partner and business attorney at Seminoff Ormsby-Greenberg & Torsha. We are a 28 lawyer law firm with offices in Bucks and Montgomery County. Uh, We are a business boutique, so we primarily represent small, medium-sized, privately held companies.
0: Great, thanks. So let's just get after it. So you are in the M&A practice. What's going on in the M&A market today?
1: It's been a very hot M&A market uh, lately. If you look at some of the different surveys and statistics, uh, the M&A market, particularly in the lower middle market, middle market companies, privately held companies is up anywhere from 10 to 30 percent um, year over year. and uh, It looks like that trend is, is going to continue.
0: What's driving that?
1: Well, there's a, a number of different things that are driving that. Um, one I think is there's a lot of capital in the market. Um, so there are companies that have money that are looking to acquire. There's a lot of venture capital, private equity funds that are out there. Um, interest rates are still low. They're going to stay low, they're relatively low, so there's there's debt that's available. Um, there are a lot of baby boomers who are coming of age. Their companies are getting uh, to a mature point. They're looking to retire and for exit, so there's a lot of sellers mm-hmm. in addition to the buyers.
0: So where do you spend most of your time? Are you working with buyers or sellers?
1: I work with uh, both, buyers and sellers, about equally. Um, normally, in any given day, I would have uh, two or three M&A deals that are ongoing. Uh, Right now, I probably have seven or eight on average on any given time at various stages of of the process.
0: Is there any consistency in terms of size of businesses, industries, anything that way?
1: Uh, Not so much in industry. Size of businesses, we're normally working with companies that are anything from a startup to several hundred a million a year in revenue. Um, So most of our deals are going to be between, you know, the low millions to uh, 50 to 75 million dollar deals, depending on the size of the company.
0: Gotcha. So are you typically working, obviously in the smaller companies, it's the business owner themselves, but when you're working with the the larger organizations, are you working directly with CEOs?
1: We'll work with the owners, with the CEOs. Larger companies will sometimes have venture capital involved, uh, or um, some preferred shareholders, things of that nature. So we we may be working with the board of directors, we may be working with the CEO. Again, most of the lower middle market companies, these are family-run businesses, and that's, that's primarily our bread and butter and what we do, so we're usually working with the owner.
0: Gotcha. So for the business owners who are watching this program who may be contemplating a sale of their business, or, or maybe not, right? What should they be aware of? What should they be thinking about?
1: Well, for the sellers, there's a, a couple of mistakes sellers make. Uh, there's three mistakes, primarily. Yeah. The, the first is they don't adequately prepare their, their company for sale. Um, the second thing is they don't go through a, a, an appropriate sale process uh, to get the highest and best value for their company or the best deal. And the third thing is they don't negotiate the transaction in the best way.
0: Let, let's unpack each of those because you know, in my world as a valuation specialist, uh, I've had that exact conversation with many business owners throughout my career. Uh, I've actually written about that and, and talked about those points as well. So let's unpack that. Let's talk about the process because I always tell folks when they call me and they say, I'm thinking of selling my business, I need a valuation, a lot of times or if they're in that oh no moment where they literally have to sell now, may or may not be able to really add value because it's not so much the transaction or the event of the sale, it's the process leading up to it where absolutely. I can add a ton of value and my absolutely. firm can add a ton of value.
1: Yes, absolutely. I would give the analogy, it's like selling your house. If you sell your house, you don't just open the door one day and say, hey, everybody come in and take a look. Um, You're going to fix the place up, you're going to paint, you're going to repair, you might hire somebody to stage the house, you're going to get it ready to give it your your best foot forward. Same with your company. Um, You should be looking at your company, evaluating your company. How do I put my company in the best light going forward? So look at recurring sources of revenue. Um, Can I be contracting with some of my customers on long-term contracts? That's valuable to a buyer. Uh, Fixed costs. Can I contract with vendors for long-term fixed costs on that end? Do I have my key employees under contract? Um, Do I have my salespeople under restrictive covenants um, so that a buyer can feel comfortable about those things? Are all my books and records in order? Do I have audited financial statements? Yeah, All those types of things are very important to a buyer.
0: Yeah, and just expound on that because what I've shared with folks in that circumstance is that when they're in that moment when they're talking to buyers, prospective buyers, they want to spend less time explaining away prior performance and talking about normalizing adjustments, basically present a clean set of financials and, and focus on the real opportunity at hand.
1: That That's correct. And, and that's part of that sale process that I talked about earlier as well. Um, Once you get your house in order, so to speak, you cross all your T's, you dot all your I's, you're ready to open the doors, Um, you want to participate in a a competitive sales process. So you want to have recasted financials. Uh, You want to show a buyer what will the company look like without the seller there. Um, What perks can we add back into the EBITDA and other things that will increase value. Um, Timing of revenue, uh, things of those nature. You don't want to sell the company when you're at the end of a bad year. You want to sell the company at the end of a good year. Um, So if you plan ahead, you can maximize value, create a competitive sales process by taking a good package of materials out to the marketplace, generate competitive buyers, uh, and that's the best way you'll get the the best deal uh, at the best price with the best terms.
0: Yeah, I happen to agree with you and I've shared that with others as well, I'm a big believer in the power of the auction. Uh, I always tell folks when a prospective buyer gets that confidential information memorandum and they see in the lower corner a number 17 for example, they know that 16 other prospective buyers have seen this business and if they want to play, they've got to have a sharp pencil. Absolutely. Uh, do you find that, that the business owners are reluctant to bring in an intermediary because obviously there's a cost with that?
1: They are. Uh, they are, and particularly in the lower middle market, we see a lot of family businesses where uh, they go to the annual trade show, they have dinner with a couple of their competitors in the industry, uh, maybe they float the idea of buying them, they come back from the trade show and they send me a, a letter of intent and say, hey look, I, I sold my company, this is great. <laughs> um, and I say, oh, that is great, uh, it's terrific. Um, however, we have now lost the opportunity to add value Um, and one of the ways and and the biggest way we can add value is in the negotiation of that letter of intent if you're a seller. Um, That's that's the absolute biggest mistake sellers make is not engaging professionals in that process. Um, That is the point at which they have the most leverage. You're on your first date. Everybody wants to you know uh, be nice. They want to they want to give you things at that stage. It will not get better for the seller as the transaction goes on. The terms will only get worse. So that's the time to negotiate the detailed aspects of your deal, make sure you're getting everything in there that you want, all of the perks that you want, all of the non-monetary issues, um, how are you going to deal with working capital, inventory, accounts receivable, uh, key employees, all of these things that are going to be important to you that may not just be the the purchase price. Also the tax treatment, how's it going to be treated from a tax standpoint you may think you got the price you want, but the net you're gonna receive at the end of the day may be significantly different after taxes. There's a lot of different ways that purchase price can get structured and whacked up for tax purposes, it may not be favorable to you, and you may not even realize that.
0: Yeah, I've seen that movie a lot in the course of my career because the evaluation, it's great to have a number for what the, the business is worth, but to your point, a lot of times real value is created or lost in that structuring. Um, can you talk a little bit about earnouts for just a, a quick moment?
1: Sure, so earnouts are used um, primarily when buyers and sellers can't agree on value. Um, or if the business is in a significant growth phase, the seller is projecting that there's going to be significant growth in coming years and wants to recoup some of that value rather than just the value on the day that the transaction is occurring. So buyers and sellers use what's called an earnout, which is essentially uh, they agree on a purchase price based on today's value or what you know they think today's value is because maybe you have a difference of opinion you can can sort of branch that value by having the seller earn uh, additional purchase price over time maybe over a period of months years um, they'll have certain targets could be for revenue for profit for EBITDA for different types of, of targets and if the business reaches those targets the seller gets additional purchase price and that's how you can adjust for some of those differences in valuation
0: yeah and that's one of the key nuances in the structuring and negotiation that you're talking about Absolutely. So Pete, for uh, the business owners who are watching who may want to know how to get in contact with you, how do they do that?
1: Uh, Well, you can reach me three different ways. The first is by phone. Feel free to give me a call, 215-887-4132 is my direct on my office. Email is PSmith, S-M-I-T-H, at S-O-G-T-Law.com or you can always go to our website, www.sogtlaw.com and connect with me through there.
0: So for the business owners that you are representing, how do they typically come to work with you? How do they find you?
1: Well, we have a lot of existing business clients. So we have a number of clients that reach the point in their transaction history where they wanna make a a sale or a purchase or wanna grow. Um, We also receive a lot of referrals, um, mainly from other lawyers, uh, accountants, financial advisors, uh, people that are uh, the first line, I would say, of, of contact with their, you know, their clients, their business owner clients, and the client calls them and says, I'm thinking about doing this, uh, I need some expertise, who do you suggest? So I get a lot of my, my business from referrals from other professionals. Yeah. Uh,
0: a lot of what I hear about the psychology around business owners is a real reluctance to think about selling their business. Uh, a lot of them don't know what they're going to do if they do sell. Um, obviously it's their baby, they've built it, they don't want to let go of the rope so to speak. What's been your experience in helping uh, a business owner move past that being stuck moment?
1: Well, that's a, that's a, good, a great point. Um, it, the business owners, this is absolutely their baby. I, you know, they've spent their entire lives building this. Um, They get very uh, attached to it a lot of times. It's very sentimental. It's very difficult for them to let go of that, particularly if they don't have a succession plan within the family or some other method and they have to sell the company. Um, So part of what I do is I'm a psychologist part of the day and a lawyer the rest of the day. And quite frankly, that's uh, a lot of what I do in advising business clients and and owners and CEOs is to help them through some of those emotional questions to be objective about how to approach it. and also understand that it is important to them. And and a lot of times in a lot of these deals, there are non-monetary issues that are very important to them. Maybe keeping family employed in the business, having key employees that are taken care of. A lot of small business owners are very loyal to their employees, want to make sure that they're going to be taken care of. Uh, Maybe they own the real estate, where the business is operating, and it's an important issue to keep the business there at that location. So there are a number of items that can be very important to a business owner, and we have to focus on those, make them a priority, and make sure that we address them in the context of the transaction and the deal.
0: Yeah, it's funny, a lot of the service providers, folks that service businesses that I talk to, all say the same thing. You've got to be part psychologist to to work with business owners and to be in the kind of work that you do. Um, When you talk about, uh, oh, you know, I just got a high sign that we've got to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. You don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers.
1: Whether you're a gourmet cook or just want to eat like one, visit Rostelli Market Fresh, your home for the freshest locally sourced ingredients to please everyone who loves great food. Our organic meats, quality seafood, and free-range poultry are cut fresh to order. Chefs create culinary-inspired prep foods made fresh every day, which pair nicely with our vast selection of fine wines and spirits. Choose from handmade pastas, artisan cheeses, organic produce, and grocery items, all from the finest purveyors. Rostelli Market Fresh, from our family
2: to yours. RVN TV is a platform for people of any industry to share their story. Over 285,000 viewers are tuning in to RVN TV shows monthly. We guarantee a great experience that you'll be sharing with everyone you know while increasing your personal and company's brand awareness. But what is your brand? According to Forbes, it's a combination of your logo, your product, your design and feel, and your personality. Did you know that aside from being a guest, we offer even more opportunity to boost your brand? Adding your company logo and website on screen during your interview will allow viewers to recognize your brand instantly. Incorporating images and video clips is another great way to showcase your product during your live segment. Let viewers see how good you really are. And most importantly, there's you and your interview. For less than the cost of a newspaper, direct mail, or a magazine ad, you can leave our studio and within 48 hours have a permanent digital copy of your live segment to link to your social media, embed into your company website, or use in email marketing. Investing in your brand is so very important, and we can't wait to have you as a guest.
0: Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, Senior Director at Pine Hill Group, and today we're talking mergers and acquisitions with attorney Pete Smith. Pete, um, we want to shift gears just a little bit. I know we got cut off there at the commercial break, but I want to explore something that you alluded to before about the transaction process. And where where are sellers making their, their biggest mistake along the way? Where are they tripping up?
1: Well, I think the biggest mistake, uh, or it's twofold. The first thing I talked about is, you know, the seller who goes to the, um, the trade show and comes back with the LOI and says, hey, you know, look what I did. Wasn't this great? Um, they, they lose a lot of value. They leave a lot of value on the table in that way. And the second thing is by negotiating that letter of intent without the assistance of uh, an investment banker or a lawyer. Um, as I'd indicated before, that's the seller's best opportunity to get everything they want. Um, buyers are going to push them to say, oh, no, 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 let's just you know, get something on paper real quick and then let's get to the asset purchase agreement or let's get to the you know, definitive agreement and you'll save money. Don't, don't spend money on the, uh, on the letter of intent. Why waste the money on that? And that is um, bad thinking on the part of a seller. It's good thinking on the part of a buyer because the buyer knows uh, it's going to get better for them as the transaction goes on and the seller doesn't really understand it's going to get worse. Um, so you want to negotiate that LOI. You want to get everything in that LOI that you want, and you want to get it all in up front. The buyer is going to be more likely to give you the perks that you want with your post-closing uh, employment, your car, uh, things for key employees, bonus programs, whatever it may be that you want to add in there, benefits. Um, maybe some, some uh, negotiation of how you're gonna deal with inventory receivables, working capital, the tax treatment of the deal, how you're gonna allocate the assets in a more tax efficient way for the seller. Um, all of those things are better to negotiate up front from a seller's perspective. If I'm a buyer, I just want the purchase price, I'll move on, I'll negotiate that stuff later. Right. But from a seller's perspective, much better. Also, that LOI then creates a roadmap for the deal. So you simply give that letter of intent to the attorneys, the attorneys draft the documents, the attorneys are not negotiating your deal for you during the drafting of an asset purchase agreement. That's much more time consuming costly. Uh, and also it, it helps with what I call the cowboy lawyer, which is the lawyer that comes in for the buyer and is gonna show his client what a great lawyer he is by negotiating him a better deal. Uh, and he's gonna be difficult, he's gonna be you know, challenging on certain issues, and he's gonna be saying, no, 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 we're not agreeing to that and it gets difficult to get past the lawyer back to the business people to try to get a reasonable deal done. Takes that all out of the equation. It's all there in the letter of intent. I can point back to the letter of intent and say, no, we're not going to agree to that. It's in the letter of intent. Here it is. We already agreed to it. That's what the deal is.
0: So what I'm hearing there is that if you're a business owner and you're thinking about selling when you're at that trade show, uh, resist the urge to do your own deal.
1: Absolutely. Resist the urge. Be happy to shake hands and say, yes, I'd like to get a deal together. Uh, why don't you buy or propose, you know, make a proposal or let's discuss what that should be and then I'll send it to my lawyer and we'll talk about
0: it. Yeah because they really don't know what they don't know so in, in your experience uh, what's that conversation been like when you're talking to this business owner who came back and says here's the LOI how'd I do?
1: Uh, well I, I try not to be too hard on them um, so usually it's a similar conversation to the one who calls me and says hey I got this LOI from a buyer uh, it looks good to me, you know, what do you think? And I started asking questions. Okay, well, it says here it's a debt-free cash-free deal. Do you know what that means? Mm, no, what does that mean? Okay. Well, that means you're leaving some working capital in the business. This is how it's going to work. Oh, well, I, I didn't think I was doing that. Or this means, you know, you're going to have to pay off all the debt. Oh, what what debt? I di- I didn't think I was paying the debt. No, well, they're not assuming the bank debt. They're not assuming the line of credit. They're not assuming these other things. So that's all coming out of your purchase price. Oh, Well, okay, well, gee, I didn't realize that. Um, We have those same conversations, uh, but now I can fix it. Um, So I can go back and say, okay, this is what we're gonna have to do, this is how we're gonna have to structure these things, here's how we're gonna calculate working capital, or there's gonna be zero working capital in the company at that time. Um, You you may or may not have to pay off all the payables. Um, So when you start looking at those things, and you think I got the purchase price I want, but then you realize all the things that get deducted from that, then we talk about the tax treatment, and you look at the net, you say, mm, no, I'm, I'm not so happy with that now. Um, so we have to go back and, and work back through those issues. Much easier to do if it's a proposal, I can go back and say, I know all the hot buttons. I'm, sometimes I'm the buyer, sometimes I'm the seller. So I know that there's a yin and a yang. Yeah. And I can negotiate all those issues upfront. And in a letter of intent, I can do it in a, in, a, in a sentence or two in a letter of intent instead of having three paragraphs in a purchase agreement. Right. Um, so it's much easier to go back and forth and if the other side has an experienced M&A professional on their side, it's a quick and easy discussion because we all know what the issues are, we all talk the same language, we all know what the ramifications are, right. and we can come to a deal pretty quickly.
0: Gotcha. We're going to shift gears and talk about representing uh, buyers, but before we do that, just tell the audience one more time again how they can contact you if they want to reach out.
1: Sure. Contact me three ways. By phone, 215-887-4132 is my direct dial, by email, smith at SOGTLaw.com or on the web www.sogtlaw.com.
0: Great, thanks. We spent a lot of time talking about sell side. Let's jump in on buy side here. What's your advice for buyers and businesses?
1: So buyers, the biggest thing for buyers is to uh, minimize the risk and limit any type of unknowns. Um, so the way you minimize your risk is one, by getting a good uh, definitive agreement that has good solid reps and warranties in it, solid indemnities. Um, but you can also use earnouts, holdbacks, um, escrows, things of that nature to make sure that the seller is fully vested in making sure that that company is successful post closing. Um, that's what you really want. You, if you have the situation where the seller just says, I want all my money up front at closing, I want a check, I'm going to hand you the keys and I'll see you later, that probably means that there's an issue. Not necessarily. Some people mm-hmm. just want to retire and move on. But um, most of the time, That means there's something out there that they're worried about. They don't want to be around post-closing when the shoe falls. Um, So you want to keep them engaged. You want to keep them involved. You want to keep them making sure that your business is going to be successful post-closing.
0: Talk a little bit, if you would, please, about the difference between a strategic buyer and a financial buyer like private equity.
1: Well, there's a a pretty big difference. Um, Private equity is looking at very different things sometimes. Um, sometimes they're just looking at us to be a financial buyer. They want a certain return. They have a certain time frame. Maybe it's five years, this is common. Um, they're looking to grow the company and usually uh, have an exit strategy for the company. Um, sometimes that may mean that they're gonna come in, put, uh, put money in to do some acquisitions, roll-ups, things of that nature. Maybe they wanna build a bigger organization. Maybe they wanna control the supply chain. Uh, they're gonna do things to add value. Um, and then they're going to look for an exit. Um, so they may have some different uh, priorities, some different values. I would give the analogy it's different for a public company versus a private company. Public company has quarterly financial statements they need to you know, put out there to the world. They're very worried about what that quarterly number is. Um, private company is not worried about a quarterly number. You know, they're, they're worried about what is my long-term you know, capital look like, what is the value of my business look like, what is my you know, long-term profit look like. They're building for a long-term. Um, so private equity may have shorter term goals and different values. Um, usually a strategic buyer, if you can find a strategic buyer, um, will have more uh, value add. Um, now, many private equity firms are rolling the company up as part of a group of companies that creates that same value add. Um, so it's, it's a, a yin and a yang. A private equity firm is usually going to be actively involved in the business post-closing, will oftentimes want the seller to stick around um, and run the business. So, it uh, does provide some opportunities uh, for sellers in different situations.
0: Right. And in either scenario, is it still fair to say that buyers don't like to pay for the synergies that they bring to the table? Certainly not dollar for dollar.
1: Usually not. Usually not. Um, and that's one of the things we talked about. A seller should always put together those recasted, you know. Profit and loss statements, you know, what does the company look like without you? What do those projections look like if it's an upward trend? So that you can try to recoup some of that value, but that's always a tug and a pull. Uh, But if you're a seller, you want to try to see if you can get some of that value. If you're a buyer, you don't want to pay for that value because that's an unknown.
0: Yeah, and for the sellers out there, valuation of the business is a forward looking exercise. It's really about what the future looks like. So, to your point about projections, that's absolutely spot on. I think we only have just about a couple of minutes remaining in the program, Pete. So if you could, in the time remaining, talk a little bit about whether it's buy side, sell side. What's your best advice on ensuring a smooth transaction for everybody?
1: Well, I think the best the best thing that a buyer or a seller can do is engage a professional group early on in the process. So uh, if you're going to have an investment banker, an investment banker, uh, an experienced lawyer, and an experienced accountant. Um, and and an experienced valuation expert or person as well if the accountant is not, uh, if that's not their area of expertise. So as you can see from our discussion, you can create a significant amount of value. People think, well, I don't want to spend the money um, because I'm going to spend all this money on these professionals and I don't have a sale yet or I don't know if I'm going to have a buyer yet or I don't know what the process looks like. Uh, am I really going to get the value back for what I spend? And the answer is yes. You will absolutely get the value back in multiples if you can engage those experts up front who know what they're doing. Um, and sometimes people will go to their local lawyer, the local accountant, and they're not experienced in M&A, and they can help them through the process, but they may not be getting all of the knowledge and expertise that they need.
0: Yeah, I wrote a piece about that. So if you're thinking about selling your business, uh, don't hire your brother-in-law, the uh, personal injury attorney. Absolutely. On that note, unfortunately, we've got to sign off. So Pete, thanks so much for joining us today. My guest was Pete Smith, and we talked M&A here on Behind the Numbers. Tune in again next week. We'll see you then. Take care.